Welcome to Misinformation, hosted by Rebecca Jones and produced by Big Mouth Media. This weekly podcast with Florida COVID whistleblower Rebecca Jones dives into the world of disinformation and how it's hurting America and democracy. Now, here she is, Misinformational. Hello, everybody. We are here live at Misinformational with Rebecca Jones, and I am your co-host, Dr. Cindy Banier, along with the amazing Rebecca Jones. How are you doing today? It's been one busy of a day. <laughs> As we say through gritted teeth, every day we wake up in the fascist state of Florida. Ready to rock and roll. We have two very different types of topics to cover today. One is a very belated tornado disinformation breakdown that I've been working on since like March-ish. And the other is a conversation that we're going to have in response to CNN deciding that they are whoops, sorry guys, that they are going to host Donald Trump for a presidential town hall. I used air quotes for that. So and if we do, it'll be a very jarring transition, but we'll try to make it fun for y'all. From one disaster to the next, if you will. Exactly. And that's where you're my forte. So this is always makes me happy to talk about disasters. If you didn't catch last week's episode, we talked about Chernobyl and a lot of the kind of cover up and disinformation that was propagated from that period of time. You can catch that on BigWellMediaFlorida.com. That's Florida is an FL and catch up with that episode because we did a deep dive into Valerian Legasis and kind of these whistleblowers and the tone that it takes on them to be the people who expose these very uncomfortable truths to us. The history. cost of truth. Yes. We're going to start with tornadoes because it's happier. Not really. They're not happy. But <laughs> it's science. No, I get happy when I talk about it. I should preface this kind of conversation by saying that I have personally been through tornadoes twice in my life when I was a child living in Pennsylvania. And then on Easter Day in Mississippi in 2020, my parents lost their house. Three of my neighbors died in the two EF4 tornadoes that ran parallel to each other about five kilometers apart in Mississippi. And it's been difficult to enjoy some of the things that I used to enjoy about tornadoes after that. Twister has always been one of my all-time favorite movies, and I can't watch it anymore. And uh, Twister is actually part of our kind of disinformation breakdown. Everybody loves that movie. And if you don't love that movie, there's something wrong with you. Even nerds like me who study tornadoes and the storm chaser types love that movie so much so then what's his name? We played the lead actor, Bill Paxton. Paxton. Paxton died. They had a giant, they mowed down like a rock, like honor to him when he died. That's how much he liked it. Even though I got a fair bit of science walk. And it was a bit campy. And I believe actually related to Twister, I believe that they're, they've closed that ride at Hollywood Studios in Disney. And they're redoing it and putting something else in there. I did not know that. I've never been there. You've um, never been to the Twister? I've never been. It's got the flying cow pit bit in there and stuff would shake around. I want to go right now since I know there's not going to be any MAGA people there. Or not MAGA. There might be MAGA. There won't be whatever DeSantis people are. 
But let's start with some of the misconceptions of tornadoes, some of which I almost went off on some of these four because she made a comment about spinning things. And I was like, okay. I didn't say they were both spinning things. I have also lived through tornadoes because they are, (laughs) I'm from Michigan as well. I just said that the disinformation. There was a comment about science that I almost went off. I was like, oh, you're going to. I just said, are we going to do it together? But no, but we'll have to do hurricanes on their own because they're too different for Rebecca to talk oh, about at yes. the same time. She said that we should just jump in hurricanes. She said it's a totally different thing. I'm like, okay, you're right. I didn't, I didn't. But I'm also coming, I'm coming off the back of Hurricane Ian. So it's like really top of mind for me in terms of watching all my local officials lie their ass off about it. And I did not hear the rage at that time. But yeah, I you were holding it back. One quick reason why they're so different. And believe me, Many reasons why they're so different, ranging from like synoptic to like mentally skilled climatology. But you know what? Look, they were getting that. That's new. that was so nerd. So I know. This is my academic fields. This is like when we talk about anything like hurricanes, weather. That's what I spent like my life studying. So we're super nerds to it. So we like to make up cheesy acronyms for everything. And even if you just have to like really struggle to try to make it happen. And for tornadoes, the ingredients that you need, we call SlimFast because obviously this was coined in the 90s. But SLIM stands for sheer lift, land stability, and moisture. Those are the four things that you need to create. Okay. All right. Big difference from hurricanes, and there's a lot of them, but this is one of them, is that wind shear will destroy a forming hurricane. What's the acronym, though, for hurricanes? They, I don't know. We don't have one. Mill? Milf? I don't know. <laughs> it's okay. It's still like the L-I-M, so if you can think of another way to put that in there, but it's different. But slim fast is because tornadoes need those four ingredients. They form very quickly, and they move very quickly and dissipate. So, yeah, that's what we have. Hey, we had a, hur- we had a tornado touchdown here in Southwest Florida. I saw that there over the weekend. Horrendous video footage of some cars just straight up in the year. Yep. And yeah, they, they will do that. Super but, normal um, for April in Southwest Florida during the dry season. Well, it's another thing. <laughs> I'm like my own mouth toe tied because I'm like, wow. She's so excited to talk about have? I used to teach these kinds of things at the collegiate them. Tornado Alley. When most when people think of tornadoes, they immediately associate it with Tornado Alley. But that's so sparse. And here's why. Dixie Alley, which is that part of the South from like Louisiana, Arkansas, Mississippi, Alabama, sometimes Missouri's borders in that, depending if you call it the Midwest or the South, has the highest concentration of tornadic activity in the modern era, so like the last 50 years. So actually, Dixie Alley is far more prone to tornadoes pushing down and causing damage than tornado owl is. Why those two are different is because we don't do a really good job in general with climate or weather science communicating things just as an umbrella. But I think most people in my field would agree about that. If you look at floodplain descriptions and how we measure those alone, it's a hot mess. Yep. But they're not communicators. So they're scientists. They deal with percentages. And, you know, the details of whether or not someone understands that goes to somebody else's job. But tornadoes basically occur in the hot zone. They can occur anywhere, anytime. But the hot zone is when you have cold, dry air meet warm moist air. And they 
bump up against each other. Now that changes that location of where those that continental air mass hits and where that Gulf Stream air mass hits changes throughout the year. So we have a really cool graphic hopefully we can superimpose over here. But basically the jet stream does this weird like loop de loop thing. But it doesn't, it's not in the same place all year round. It goes further south in the winter and then it goes back up north in the summer. And as that jet stream moves, the meeting place of those two air masses changes. So you're more likely to get tornadic activity in winter and early spring in the south and more likely to get it in the import tornado alley in the Ohio Valley area, which is another tornado hotspot that we rarely ever really talk about later in the summer. And that's just because the jet stream goes further south, north latitude throughout the year. Nerd stuff. But thinking that like Mississippi is on a hot zone for tornadoes is completely false. It's had... Some of the largest tornadoes on record. The one, incidentally, that I'm sure my parents' house was the second largest tornado in recorded history. It was over two miles wide. The largest one, I believe, was the El Reno tornado that was slightly larger in diameter than that much. So this just happened to come over my house and destroy all of our like memories and all of our things, except for a few dishes that were on a glass dish rack that remained untouched, which is a physics thing. We will go into that later. But there's another thing I wanted to say. Like when you're describing tornadoes, you no longer say like it's an F four. Your meteorologists say it's an EF four, and people who are old and set in their ways go, "I ain't not an EF four now. You see me having a what you see me emotional learning tornado or something like that." No, actually, damn woke tornadoes. I don't know woke tornadoes. Oh, God, we should start something. Woke tornadoes. Woke tornadoes. Yeah, that science is so woke. That's why it attacks more. It's a woke tornado. Yeah. EF just means enhanced Vegeta, F-Met Vegeta. It was originally designed because we didn't have the capability of an exact measurement monitoring all tornadic activity in the world. It was entirely based on damage caused by a tornado. And that's complicated because if you have something that hits in the middle of nowhere, it, it might have been two miles wide, but it didn't touch anything. It was based on like, are trees overturned, are shingles removed, or is the roof gone? Were there slight structural damage, or is the building gone? That kind of impact skill. Enhanced basically means that we use other more instrumental measures now to measure tornadoes, things like wind speed, swath, which is the width of the storm and the length that it travels, things like that. So that's why we say, yeah. We didn't want to strip it of Kojima because he came up with the initial idea of it. And we still do use damage in place of areas where, say, your wind speed apparatus broke because the wind speed exceeded 200 miles per hour and it broke at 125. Well, because of the damage, it was worse than 125. That kind of thing. Yeah. So let's get to Twister. What is your favorite thing about Twister, Dr. Banyai? The cow flying. Of course it is. That's everybody's favorite. That's why they put it in the ride. Okay, <laughs> we got cows. That's funny now. The livestock has been killed in tornadoes in the past. Wait, is this like the same as Sharknado? We are not going to fact check Sharknado because that would take so long. I run, sorry, a on fact checking Sharknado, which is supposed to be a, a hurricane. 
which being in California, let me tell you how many times the hurricanes in California. Oh, wait, never. Yet it's like the weather changes, like it stops being a hurricane at some point, but then there's random flying sharks, even though there's no tornadoes. Sounds super scary. Yeah, it's scary. It's scary as scientists look at that movie and be like, I'm just going to love it and not talk about it or any of the logical issues there with it. Okay, so back to Twister. Back to Twister, though. I will say, I remember when the movie came out, because it was a long time ago, too, so younger folks may not remember. But I remember, because that's when storm chasing was, like, getting big and getting cool. It was, like, one of the... Yeah. Kind of, there was a story of an Athens. Yeah, but it was like, I don't know. I guess it's before they had all the ghost testing technology. The same people would. Yeah, it was around like, yeah, the ghost times. That was, anyway. that was pretty, that was really big in like the late 90s, early 2000s, I feel. And I totally set one of those off in Tampa when they we stumbled into this after party for a leadership blue event. And it was in the same building as this haunted theater. And they had the ghost hunting crew there. And so you were like, we're bailing on the political party and we're going to the ghost tour. Oh, I was at that party. Those hoods. Yeah. We I were anywhere and I've got a ghost in my head, apparently. I have videos of me like taking the thing and I send it away to me and it stops going off. I put it at me and, and then like I put it like down on my feet and it doesn't go off. But the further higher up I go, and then I decided to see my space. That I took all of the apparatus that they had, and they totally let me do this, which was the most bizarre thing. Turn them all on and set them in a grid on a stage. So each point would cover a certain area, and there was like 30 of them to create a spatial grid. And then I walked across it. And other people walked across it and didn't set off a single one. I walked across it, and as I passed each one, it started going off. And then as soon as I walked away from it, it stopped. It was really freaky. Anyways, I don't believe in any of that stuff, but it was fun. You got one of those Japanese ghosts probably sitting on your shoulders. Oh, God. Atlas. You know, I'm Atlas hanging up the world up here. Storm chasing is incredibly dangerous. And there is a particular scene in Twister that was actually based on real events. And that is when the, in quote, sell out Jonah something. They don't come out and say works for the Weather Channel, but they're pretty sure that he works for the Weather Channel. Because he went and got himself some corporate influencers. That's how Bill Paxton says it. They get killed when an EF5 tornado suddenly shifts the track and then takes the truck that they're in. And then I thought it was a big gratuitous that they showed the thing going through it and killing the boy guy because it's based on real events. And that happens when the people did take up their truck. It was about in the same area and three of them died. Unfortunately, that was not the last time that happened. There were three veteran soul chasers who have been doing this for 20 years, died in May of 2013 when an EF5 tornado suddenly changed direction and picked up their vehicle threw it down and killed them all. Eerily similar also to the previous one. The El Reno tornado claimed the lives of three more storage storm chasers and 15 others. This was the widest one on street. Three more chasers were killed in Texas in 2017. It is very dangerous. And part of the reason it is because there's a lot of amateurs out there. And uh, they're not a scientifically trained people. They don't understand fully what they're looking at as far as meteorological data goes. And uh, they're also oftentimes not physically prepared. The vehicles are not armored or they're not listening to 
the signs that they're supposed to be. With the incident in 2017, they got the people who died were all stuck in traffic. They were trying to get out and move, but there were all these other people there, these amateur people all lined up, and they could not move the truck. And unfortunately, there was audio that was covered, and you could hear them inside saying, they're not moving, they're not moving, or we're going to die. And they died. So it is a very serious thing. Florida State, when I was there every March and April, would go do tornado chasing out west. And I think they usually went two weeks after spring break in April or something like that. I never went. This was before a tornado took my house. I thought that was insane and that it was incredibly reckless. And I didn't want to... I didn't need to be that close to one to study it, which is the other falsehood in Twister. The device that they're trying to make fly is real. I think they call it Dorothy, like from The Wizard of Oz. And this thing is actually real name is Toto. So they, it's a real device called Toto. And it's the, yeah, God, what's it stand for? I can't remember. Something tornado is in it because there's two pieces. But in real life, it never took flight. Never worked. I never got it to fly. In the end of the movie, obviously, they famously have that ridiculous shot of them with the feet dangling, and there's like a mini tornado inside the big tornado, which does not exist. There's not a mini tornado inside the big tornado that's all calm and peaceful. That, you know, that's not how it works. And the fact that they think they can dangle at the center of a two mile wide tornado and not can hit with debris is insane because they would have had to get to the You had to cross the land to hit big. But whatever. And they were in that room with all those crazy knives. And they were like, oh, no. And they went to the next room. It's, oh, yeah, those knives really are not going to be flying in like 10 seconds right next to where you are. But yeah, unfortunately, real life, Toto never took off. Never got those meteorological measurements. They abandoned the project after a while. But there was a lot of truth to it. There was even really creepy. There was a screening of Twister at a drive-in theater. I think they were playing like the previews or something that was hit by a tornado, just like as a movie after it was released, which was also really creepy. But uh, it's not a minimal for movies to take liberties with the science, but there was a lot of accident stuff. And that's partly because Paxton, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and a bunch of other the key cast members shadowed real storm chasers for six months. They went to the National Lab and learned how to crash course and how these things work and how to understand them. They chased real tornadoes. So they, when they started this movie, had a foundational understanding. Not like Sharknado that was written by people who were like, hi, well, I want to They're like, what is They go pick up at the store. It's like, if it doesn't pick up the ocean, how would it pick up the sharks out of the But never mind. Let's talk this one Let's not. Yeah, so that is how, if you look back on this astronaut's theory, three that stand out to me for their commitment and being accurate. Dante's Peace is one of them. That is basically Mount Helen's explosion. There's some liberty that takes. The beginning, I think, was basically the Krakatoa explosion. But other than that, it had a lot of actual accuracy as far as it portrayed how the tornado of this kind and type would eventually erupt. Then Twister and surprisingly to everyone the day after tomorrow. Everything after that little like speech that he gives the most boring part of the movie when they're at like the NASA headquarters and they're trying to figure out what's going on. That seemed crazy, but everything after that's just that shit crazy. 
it is illustrating how extreme weather, unpredictable weather could happen as a result of major shifts in climatological processes, specifically the Atlantic Oscillation, which is a very delicate balance of salt and fresh water that when water becomes cold and expression is more dense than it sinks, and that allows Europe to be moderated by temperature, even though if you think of Florida as I think at the same latitude as, oh boy. I want to say the wrong city and then my trolls be like, let's see, earth wrap. But actually that's, that's what affects the jet stream too, right? How far north and south. That's a little bit different because that's heavily impacted by continental air masses as well and surface temperature. So there are other factors in that. The oceanic current in the Atlantic. So if you look at like England, it is the same latitude as like Saskatchewan, northern Canada. But the reason it's not freezing is because it has this water that's warm to the equator and it's evolved and it circulates up there and it gets a nice weather. And so I guess many people were like, what if we just froze over? And how do we make it freeze over? Giant hurricane on land that freezes. That's all. That's about as far as I thought of that. But the processes that he explained that the most boring scene in that movie were actually correct. And I think it was the summer after that movie came out that scientists detected that the North Atlantic current did actually stall for a period of time, causing disruption in the ocean. And so that's a real concern, but everything after that was crazy. But disaster movies are all sorts of fun, but be very careful. Don't go out repeating that there's going to be a giant ice storm that cools super cold air from the stratosphere into a tunnel that just sucks down because that's a hurricane of the low pressure storm, which means that at the center of it is low pressure, which allows air to rise. So air is rising at the center of a hurricane. It sinks around the outsides. So the center of a hurricane would not be able to keep more air down through anything because it's air rising. But so how about we just make this rule? Don't believe that movies are real. How about that? Can we just say that? People naturally, I think, are interested in whether or not they they see like in Twister are real. Like those storm chasers have died like that multiple times. That was based on real people. And there are a lot of issues that are brought to light in Twister that are still problematic today, which is sad because, as you said, it's almost been 30 years since this movie was made. They talk about radar gaps, which we still have. My parents lived in a radar gap. Mm. They were not warned. There was no text message. There was no time to somewhere to see it to issue a text message. Everybody survived, looked outside, ran in their house and just happened. We didn't have text messages in 1996 either. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that's the other thing with the alert system. They talked through the whole movie. The whole point of launching Toto was so that they could issue advanced alerts. Right. Which... Now we're better at because radar coverage hasn't moved and we don't need something to be on the ground to issue an alert, but we still have those gaps. So people who lived with that tornado when they hit my parents' house transversed the entire state of Mississippi. So people who lived 45 minutes away on what we expect based on historical patterns to be tracked had plenty of notes to get inside or to get wherever they're going in their car and just stop find a secure building. All that stuff. My parents didn't yes. because they were in that gap. And even if they hadn't been in that gap, somebody has to approve of an emergency alert being set off. And there's no guarantee that they would have seen it. It had about 30 seconds. According to my one wow. neighbor who survived, 
He went outside, he saw it, wasn't sure what he was seeing, but he knew it was bad, so he ran inside his trailer. He said he literally grabbed the two kids, like little kids, closed the bathroom door, and the second that he did, it was one of them. And it peeled the roof of their trailer off, he said, like a sardine can. Wow. But didn't destroy it. Like it didn't, my parents' wood house and my neighbor Roger's brick house and a bunch of other people died too. They found the other couple who have caddy cornered my parents as a sheriff's deputy and his wife. They had found them 250 yards away from their house where they were still holding each other. And it's weird how tornadoes work, but yeah. And my echo just stopped. All right. I'm going to turn my microphone off. Oh, okay. Hopefully I haven't been echoing this whole time. But if you want a tornado rundown or especially a disaster movie, fallacy rundown and i'm all game actually let students in some of my classes as an extra credit opportunity take a famous disaster movie and talk about everything that was right and wrong about it in five pages and those papers are fun some of them defended things that were like so wrong we're like i looked at google and i'm like oh god <laughs> and actually let me because i was thinking about the movie twister but texting but your parents hurricane was or tornado Parents tornado was 2020, right? Yes. So there would have been a texting alert system, but they were in a gap. Yeah. So that tornado touchdown was on the ground, I think, eight kilometers before any official alert was issued. Yeesh. Yeah. When it first touched down, there's that's when it hits. That's when you can see cyclonic activity start to form on a radar. But um, there's actually really good. You'll see the federal government try to say that they don't have problems with radar gas, but they do. And my family is an example of, they live in that corner because they're round and there's a reason why Doppler radar's round, but between like where these two round places, she, I guess I should do it like this, lived in this little gap right here between these two. And what are the odds of two EF4 tornadoes touching down in that little gap on well, this same day? That's April 2020, Easter day. So that's mm. a little tornado brief thing. Remember Tornado Alley is a thing of Late or I guess rather early summer onward and Dixie Alley prefers this time of year and earlier in the year. There was actually a series of tornadoes that hit the University of Southern Mississippi on Christmas Day or the day after. A few years ago, my sister was going there at the time. And so you'll get a lot of very bad winter storms and a lot of winter activity the furthest south that you get. It being May is a little bizarre that at that latitude, Florida would have that severe weather but like i said they can occur anytime any place anytime just because they're not common in a place doesn't mean that they won't happen the tornado that i went through in pennsylvania as a child was the strongest tornado that's touched down in the state of pennsylvania since then so just i just got great luck with these things the year i moved to mississippi in 1998 hurricane george hit and not only hit directly on the town that i just moved to but did a loop it did a freaking circle over the town before going out. My first exposure to the South was seeing alligators swim down the street after a major freak hurricane. And then wow. I was like, Ouch. from then on, I was like, I want to know what that was and how these things work. I've been fascinated with weather and climate my whole life. So this is going to be that jarring break that I mentioned earlier. We're going to switch right now to talk about CNN's presidential telephone. The disaster too. Yeah, God. Uh, one with probably more lives at stake than any disaster movie. But uh, they announced yesterday and the day before, I believe, that they're going to be hosting Donald Trump next week 
on a what they call presidential town hall, which is a bizarre choice of words considering he's not the president. But nonetheless, the backlash was very immediate and um, pretty severe publicly for that. And there's an obvious reason why. Cindy, what do you think the obvious reason people are pissed off about CNN hosting a presidential town hall with Donald Trump right now would be? Yeah, I think you made the first point, which was he's not the president. Second thing is there's other people, there's other Republicans running, too. Yep. And first and we have a different president, like maybe Joe Biden. Yeah. Trump did not grant a single interview with CNN the entire time he was in the White House. Not one. He spent years using CNN as the scapegoat representing all of fake news, which is weird because MSNBC is is there. Meaning. And yeah, it's there. And it's there. It exists. they criticize Trump constantly. And yet if I were to pick one to go after. They're not the competitor of CNN or of Fox News in the same way that CNN yeah, is. Too. Fox has recently soured with Trump a little bit. They've gone full to Santafile, which, you know, is problematic for him. He's reaching, he's smart. He's reaching an audience that he never otherwise wouldn't. But here's the problem. The guy's a pathological liar. And there's a lot of concern that this is going to turn into every other event with Donald Trump, where he's going to be welcome to use CNN's platform and reach and legitimacy, if they have any of that left, to lie. Again and again about mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. Of course that's what's going to happen. <laughs> the only way that CNN can redeem themselves for this, in my eyes, is if they use this opportunity to absolutely grill him this is supposed to be live well if he swims off he then you capture that but to the only way that this is good is if cnn decides to do something they've never done before stand up to him and not allow him getting away with lies no that's absolutely not going to happen in a town hall forum yes because and trump doesn't do that by the way Trump will never make an appearance where he is not in control of every single thing that happens there. Yeah, there was the one time he stormed off 60 minutes or something like that. I forget which one it was, but there was a big dispute. They're like, oh, show the whole tape. And so the people who produced it were like, okay, here's the whole tape. And it was even worse for him, but whatever. But yeah, it is structured as a town hall, which means that the questions are going to come from the pre-selected audience. But there's still an opportunity for the moderator there to let him answer and to say that is false after he lies about something. Let's say he lies about the election. Every single lawsuit that Trump and his people have filed has been flat out rejected because there was no supporting evidence. We know from the lawsuit with Fox and Dominion that Fox News itself knew that this was a lie. And they referred to the people who were promoting these lies as that shit crazy and other derogatory terms. And Trump himself was aware that this was a lie. Joe Biden won the 2020 election. He won by a significant number of votes. And Donald Trump is lying. They don't even have to confront him directly in doing that. Although I'm sure he would huff and puff, which would make great footage. But they can correct him in live time to throw him off. Because the guy is... I don't either, but they could. They could. Here's the question that I have in my mind when we're talking about this is, I had heard recently that there were some 
shareholders and leaders in CN that had taken over and were pushing more right-wing stuff. Now, is that true? Have you heard that? Yeah. Oh, it's absolutely true. And it's been happening okay. for about two years now. Okay. It's why you started to see people like Jake Tapper start promoting lies by Ron DeSantis, parroting his fake success story with COVID, and start saying that schools are safe to reopen even though they were not and they knew it. That that's that right turn was the first sign of that. Okay. So I opened this up to Twitter and said, now if you could ask the questions as regular people and voters, I assume on the other side of these these anonymous accounts, what questions would you ask? And we actually got some pretty vulgar ones I won't repeat, but a few good ones. And one was by five two eight a Wonder Woman, and we'll show them here. Said, when do you plan to release your healthcare plan? And this is the healthcare plan that kept happening. We're going to repeal or replace it. Never happened. Flyer Camper said, Are you still grabbing women's genitalia? And uh, what was the last time you did? Which, let's remind people, he is currently undergoing a defamation trial for saying that he did not rape someone. Now, he can't be prosecuted in a criminal court because of the statute of limitations. But should the jury rule in Miss Carroll's favor, that is the woman who he allegedly raped, that is tantamount to saying that he raped her and he lied when he uh-huh. said he didn't. And so that, yes, it's not a criminal conviction, but it is a jury of their peers deciding whether or not the evidence says that he lied when he said he did not rape her. And that could be very big. Of course, that trial is ongoing right now. And while it was ongoing, Trump decided to go to Scotland and wear a beanie at one of his golf parks instead of taking them seriously, which is not uh-huh. a surprise. Another person, Pete Thompson, 256, said, you seem to hate being president, so why run again? <laughs> I actually think that's a really great question. Now, I laughed at that, too. Then I thought that is, I think his answer in response to that would be interesting. I think it would provide some insight because he did. He complained constantly about how this was such a sacrifice for him and that he, everybody was mean to him. He hated the White House and it was. Yeah. So why do you want to do it again? Because the Russians know, told him to. <laughs> it's his obligation to Russia. But anyway. See, I was thinking more it's to save his own ass because he still believes that, and this is partly the DOJ's fault, that and the special counsel's fault. As long as he's president, he can't be prosecuted for any crimes because mm-hmm. that's pretty much what the Mueller report said. It says, yeah, he probably broke a whole bunch of laws, but there's no precedent for per- prosecuting a sitting president. And all of these cases have come up subsequent to his turn. But hearing him say in his own words, why? I think would be an interesting question. Another one was... It's the best reality TV show on earth. I know, right? The one that I really liked was J.B. Trey said, would Kamala Harris have the power to not certify the 2024 election should Trump win? Because, of course, we all know that Trump's big thing was that Mike Pence, as president of the Senate vice president of the United States would have the authority to invalidate the results of the election if he wanted to, which of course he can't. But to ask him, would Kamala Harris in that same position have the right to not certify the 2024 election? That's like the Uno reverse Pence card. I thought it is the Uno reverse Pence card. There are a lot of questions about Pence too. Do you feel any guilt whatsoever about basically encouraging people to try to kill your vice president? And would you run with him again? No, I don't think sociopaths feel guilt. 
I don't know what he is. He's something. These are questions that if I was in charge of this debate, I would ask. And then got to have a notebook like they're writing down, even though you know they're not. Because nobody writes things down on TV journalists. So you're like, Mr. President, you're currently facing felony charges in New York. A conviction could result in a prison term. Do you feel it's appropriate to run for president with the possibility of prison over your head? See what he says. Um, Like, if you were convicted and thrown in jail, would you still try to be president? (laughs) Or the Trump organization was convicted of fraud in 2021. I think it was 21 or 23. I don't even know. You're being charged with fraud right now in the state of New York. What do you say to those who say your prior and potentially future convictions of fraud should disqualify you from the office? Or one question I'd love people to ask is, do you have any regrets regarding your role in the attack on the U.S. Capitol on January 6th? And do you have any remorse for those who were killed? Let's see. I also have some DeSantis ones. You've recently attacked Ron DeSantis's handling of COVID-19, claiming, in fact, that he lied about the data. And you've attacked him on his other policy failures. I might have had something to do with that. Do you have... (laughs) But you endorsed Ron DeSantis in 2016. And most political analysts agree that he would not have won if not without your support. Do you feel responsible for putting DeSantis in a position of power to commit these crimes against his own people? You've also alleged that if not for federal government intervention during the 2018 election, DeSantis would have lost if all votes were counted. Are you saying that you have knowledge or evidence of election fraud that benefited Ron DeSantis in 2018? And do you plan on making that information public or turning it over to law enforcement officials? <laughs> how how low are you willing to go to get, get yeah. Ronnie boy? I know, right? During your first term as president, the GDP fell more in two years than it had since 1950. The unemployment rate skyrocketed to the highest level since the 2008 financial crisis. You were the first president since Herbert Hoover to leave the office with fewer jobs than when you enter. Your tax cuts continue to saddle the middle and lower classes. And by many measures, you failed to deliver a better economy. How would you do things differently this time? And And you got to stab them with the Russia-Ukraine thing too. The continued Russian aggression and illegal occupation of Ukraine has resulted in more than 130 deaths in Ukraine. How are you planning to end this conflict? Favorably, for the Ukrainian people. Yeah, that one. Yeah, I think that one's, I'm just going to give Putin the whole thing. Yeah. This is my personal one that I'd love to ask. You're on record saying that you, and quote, know more about everything from nuclear energy production to ISIS. Can you humble yourself now and admit that you do not know more than scientists about nuclear energy, climate change, drones, renewable energy, wildfires, vaccines, and other subject areas that often require a doctorate degree and a lifetime of specialized experience to be called an expert on. But he's going to say, Forgot mili- did you say military in there too? Because he's also yeah. said that he knows more than the generals. Oh, there's a whole list. You know what? We're going to scroll the list. 
We're going to scroll the whole list. And it's only two years of covers and there's like 50 things of everything that he said that he knows more about than anyone else. And yet it does include a lot of things involving trade, involving debt, which he actually might know more about than anybody else, about the economy, about infrastructure, about Senator Cory Booker, about borders, about construction, drones, taxes, the U.S. government system, the visa system, campaign finance, all of these other things that he's flat out said, I know more about X than anybody. And those are just some of the things. So we'll scroll that whole list right here at the end. I love that he's like a walking Dunning-Kruger. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) But those are some of the questions that I would ask. And obviously there's a lot of, the point here would be to not take his campaign seriously because it's not serious. Pretending that this is normal is what got us here in the first place. It's what's allowed worse people like DeSantis to believe that they have a viable chance and to actually have a viable chance of being a major party nominee. So treating this like it's a normal thing and asking about specific policy questions when neither Trump nor DeSantis have viable answers on either of those is a farce. And so drilling him about the specific things that he's lied about, that he's gotten wrong or that he's failed to do treats this as the thing that it is, and that's a circus, because it's nothing more than that. And if CNN does not take a hard-ass approach to this, they're done. And I've obviously been no fan of them since the whole Chris Cuomo episode. But even more, this very contrarian neoliberal style that they've been trying to co-opt from Fox News is reckless. It encourages a lot of whataboutism. A lot of false equivalency. They've even done pieces that I've seen where they try to, when they're talking about climate change, include climate change deniers, which the media rightfully stopped doing a long time ago because of the scientific consensus on climate change. And so it's really spiraling down to what I think of Twitter, which is just where anybody can just get in there and say whatever they want. And CNN's going to be like, here's a tweet from anonymous Russian accounts. I think Biden's awful. And then that's news. It's lazy and irresponsible, and it's everything that's wrong with journalism in a modern media world encapsulated in one network. But uh, when did they say that they're going to air this? I always saw next week. I'm sure that there's a time and date on there. And we'll probably have too. Yeah, this is for ratings. Is like Asa Hutchinson going to have one? Good old Asa? No. At least by then, I think DeSantis will have declared. Session is ending this week. This is that's the rumor. Yeah, session's ending this week. So everything you're not aware of one DeSantis had the legislature propose a bill, which they have since passed, that reverses a state policy which has been called the resign to run. That law in Florida stated that any person who is in a position of state office cannot campaign for an office where the term overlaps with their current office. Mm-hmm. So if you're a House of Representatives member and you want to run for Senate or something like House terms are two years, so you would be campaigning for an office that starts after your current one is over. However, if you are a governor who wants to run for president and those terms would overlap, in this case, DeSantis's last two terms, two years of governor would overlap with a presidential term. You would have to resign from your current office in order to run for the other one. They reversed that bill, that mm-hmm. law. And yep. I know that the amendment to the election bill. I'm not sure if he signed it yet, but he will. He will. And he basically wrote the rules to allow himself to run for president and keep Florida as a consolation prize. 
yeah. when he found it. He was, hasn't been able to sign it, I think, because he was over hobnobbing in Japan and the UK. Oh, God. Apparently, he was panned in the UK. But I, I know. Don't. Like, everybody hated him. And that's, like, even fun. Everybody hates so. him everywhere. And the event is going to be 9 p.m. Eastern Time on May 10th. All right. Yeah. So next week. And that will be Wednesday, I think. So the other thing, so the Florida legislature not only passed the uh, reversal of the resign to run law, only, by the way, for president and vice president, just very exclusively targeted yes. at that DeSantis. That was the other thing is they only did it for president and vice president. They did not include it for other federal offices or state to federal offices overlapping. And there were several other things that the Florida legislature passed that were gimmies for Ron DeSantis's presidential campaign that were outlined in today's Florida politics article. So you could check that out. But they included an additional just million dollars for Ron DeSantis's governor's budget, like his office budget, just just in case, because Republicans love giving away money to the bureaucracy. <laughs> just kidding. Then there was also the ability to hide the transportation logs for both Ron DeSantis and his his security detail. And that was, again, to make it more difficult for people to understand how much Florida taxpayer dollars are being used to support Ron DeSantis's campaign. And, and so any people that he invites as guests mm. to pay for their security and their travel, which would make them subject to public records. So we would be able to know who is Ron DeSantis paying to shuttle around everywhere in a limousine? No, he will not. And he's claimed falsely that this is due to security, security concerns because he's a target. First of all, I'm a target. He is the targeter. We're right. Let's get that straight first. Second, these records are only ever available after the fact. That you cannot ask right. in advance for a travel detail schedule this is for something right. that happens afterwards you put in a request and then sometime later if they decide that they want to comply with it which desantis's administration has become notorious for with feeling yep. complied then you would be able to know who this like how much money was spent how much time was spent who was involved and these records would have been public during his entire first term and there was never a security issue it's only now as he's preparing for his run for president, that he doesn't want anybody to know who he's greeting, who he's paying for taxpayers mm -hmm. to travel, how much we're paying for his trips to Japan and everywhere yeah. else. Because technically he has not filed, which means technically he cannot fundraise to run for president. So that means somebody's paying for it. Right. So it's us here in Florida that are on the hook. And there was another piece of that also was related to an increase in like policing and security forces around him as well. So those were all items that were approved and budgeted for by the Florida legislature that were direct gimmies and hand handouts to Ron DeSantis ahead of his presidential bid. And I think that I can firmly say as not only somebody who's in, involved in politics, understands it, but is a fan of good governance and transparency, I think that we deserve to know what's going on and we deserve to not use those public funds for one man's private ambition. That's a big problem. Yeah. And he's problematic in everything. Probably everybody's listened to the news at this point that the state came after my son in April 
And I received emails last week that showed that DeSantis's office, despite their very adamant protesting that they don't bother with things involving me or my children. Yeah, we got a trove of emails. Turns out they did bother. They not only bothered, but they got all of the video footage of my minor child and leaked it to anonymous Twitter trolls to attack me with. So I sent that to the FBI and my lawyers and we're trying to figure out what, if any, consequences these people can be held accountable for. So we're talking about one of the most corrupt, lyingest, yeah, evil types of administrations that has ever existed that is now tar targeting and using their authority of their office to go after someone because their mom is a lawsuit against the state and not e and being so brazen as to leave email records about it because yeah, they don't want accountable before. So why would they fear right. that email? But yeah, the ethics board and everything is under his control. The Florida State Supreme Court, conservative control as well. So yeah, there really is no accountability. There's no one watching the watchers. We should be worried about that ability. And I will say that I noticed this because as everything was unfurling around the attack on Rebecca's son, all of a sudden I noticed that footage had come out, right? And it was, it went really quickly like really quickly same day yeah and so I was asking the people that were sharing it oh okay you have this embedded in your Twitter page right where is the original link which newspaper or where is the public thing and they kept saying oh it's on the Santa Rosa Sheriff's Office I'm like no it's not because I've looked through it there's no oh. news article there's no press release there's nothing like that and now we have the email showing that it was Jeremy Redfern the deputy press secretary for Ron DeSantis, who got the video footage from the sheriff's department directly and immediately leaked it to online Twitter trolls. Because normally that information in that footage would not be subject to a public records request because it involves right. a minor child. Exactly. And it was, yeah, and it was like whatever security footage in the lobby like it wasn't like his first appearance it wasn't all these other kind of things that news stations are will often get a hold of and again it happens so quickly and it was edited selectively it was very dubious and it is something of concern it is a concern that people in the state of florida should be worried that the governor is so interested in consolidating his power and concealing his flaws that he would attack a private citizen a child and a child. Yep. A child. So that's where we're at. We digress from Trump to birds and a feather. It's Same a fascist problem. versus an oligarch. Which do you choose? Yeah. Another one of the questions we actually got from somebody was, do you support democracy or fascism? It was just, that was the question. And they said, and if you want, you can preface that by saying the election of Joe Biden in his inauguration was democracy, but you supported overthrowing the will of the people in support of the powers that already existed, which was yourself. So do you support democracy or fascism? And I was like, I don't think he's going to understand that question, though. No, so. he's not. <laughs> yeah, but he's the expert on everything. Hey, speaking of that, I just want to say I, I want to give a plug to our local Naples Daily News. That's part of Fort Myers News Press and the Gannett publications over here. Because for the very first time, I saw an accurate description of what the Proud Boys were. So the Proud Boys, one that's living down here by me, Christopher Whirl, he was the one that was in 
the January 6th committee video montage where he's bear spraying a police officer. He is now undergoing his trial, finally, after delay. His trial started last week, and they described the Proud Boys as a far-right neo-fascist group. Because remember, too, the Proud Boys... important there, too, though. They orchestrated an attack on the U.S. Capitol. Oh, that's what the child is about. The one missing that T word that we don't like to use for white supremacist groups. Traitor? Terrorist. Oh, terrorist. I like traitor, too. But I was going to say, so they that's the first time they've been noticed as fascist. But I think that came because there's plenty of documents that came out of the Enrique Tarrio trial, text messages and correspondence between them where they actually described themselves as going, quote unquote, full fash. I'm glad that we're talking about this. I'm glad that it's out in the open. I'm glad that local media is calling them what they are, which are and I like the term neo-fascist because that's what they are. And it's new and it's what's happening today. And on that note, and on that, have a great week, everybody, in the fascist state of Florida. From yes. the fascist heartland here in Southwest Florida, I'm Dr. Cindy Banyer. I am Rebecca Jones, a.k.a. Misinformational, and you have joined us for a tornadic slash post-disaster autopsy of what to expect next Wednesday. And I'm thinking maybe we should have a live discussion afterwards. Ooh, after I love day. it. Let's do it. That would force us to have to watch it, which... And uh, but, I don't even know if I have CNN. I don't think I have it. Yes, it's part of the job. Part of what you're doing when you have to be the debunker of disinformation is going through the crazy, sitting down and watching the worst of it and being like, okay, let's go through the checklist of everything here that is false. What we'll watch it for you. Made it from. And yeah, watch a lot of videos of crazy, like three for Matt. I went through at least three hours of reefer madness videos for our marijuana breakdown and i some of them were so bad i just laughed at some of them were so outrageous that i was like good god no wonder we still had problems getting us off the schedule one drug list when there's an entire generation mostly boomers and xers who bought all of this i had people defending the dare program on my twitter when we posted the disinformation that was the dare program and i'm like did you listen did you listen to it at all they're like my daughter wrote an essay for the dare program and she turned out great and i was like so did dr cindy banya i did love she invented the drugs she said so i was like it's like just because you wrote a paper for that one subject you could have written a paper it doesn't mean anything it just means that was a dork and was good at writing yeah it's like that the dare program was disinformation it was not only just different disinformation, it was harmful, counterproductive disinformation. And yet you will still get people who just, because Twitter is just a knee-jerk reaction. It's everybody waiting to criticize something or be mad about something. Mm-hmm. We'll sit there and fight with you, even though you're like, if you just listened, I provided, or read it, I provided all of the sources for this. The federal government said it was a failure, like 20 years ago. Yeah. So... Who cares about truth and facts, Rebecca? Could be in such a square. Oh, no. All right. <laughs> Next week, we're probably certainly going to be talking about whatever shit show this thing is with CNN. Yeah. But maybe we can try in other spaces or something. But let's we'll share out with our followers and everybody. Let them know what the plans are for the follow-up to the conversation this time. It was my first time. I have to apologize for that. Ever hosting a Twitter space myself. My app has been glitchy and just crashes all the time now, thanks, Elon. 
So it crashed twice. And on the third time when I finally got to work, it wouldn't record. Maybe that's yeah. why it finally worked. So I don't know. But we will, I will let a veteran hoster technically host or something. And then we can just join as co-presenters or something. But we will get it fixed to make sure that y'all have exclusive access to our live conversations, to any recordings, video, all that fun stuff. If you subscribe, then it's super cheap. And you get disinformation breakdowns. Which are, right. I will say, to our credit, are becoming increasingly difficult to do because Twitter has disabled a lot of the API features that used to be free that allowed mm -hmm. us, like people like myself, like Chris Busy, to analyze trending disinformation topics. It's more work now. Thanks, Elon. So support us. Support independent media. You can subscribe. The buttons are all over the place on this website. You get video, and I've been told my face is very expressive. So you're missing half the fun if you're not watching me roll my eyes or hair like this when somebody conflates tornadoes and hurricanes. Oh, my God. I did not. <laughs> anyway. We'll have hurric hurricanes. We'll do hurricanes another day. In, when June, when it starts. And uh, we'll probably look at Katrina. I went through that personally and studied right. it extensively afterwards. So that is, that is our show for today. We love you guys. Thank you guys. And we will see you next week. See you next time. Check us out on BigMouthMediaFL.com. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining this informational with Rebecca Jones, brought to you by Big Mouth Media. Stay connected by visiting misinformational.com and check out all the great shows and articles on BigMouthMediaFL.com. You can also join the conversation with us on Facebook, Instagram, and the cesspool that's Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe to Misinformational wherever you get your podcast. See you next time.